Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bar Fights. I hope you guys had an awesome Thanksgiving, and we're going to have some serious fun on this show today. You know why? Because we are talking about sex. Yes, you heard that right. We are talking about sex, and we're talking about sex with someone I have known a very long time, someone I love, and someone who I think is going to be a frequent visitor to this show because she has taught me so much, and she has so much to teach you guys. So Rachel Maine is a sex therapist turned sex coach. Her journey started back when she joined a company called Pure Romance. Pure Romance, if you guys have never heard of it, is an incredible woman-founded company that works to educate, empower, and entertain women. And we'll talk a little bit more about Pure Romance on the show today, but I've known the company now seven years, eight years, and I am an absolute huge fan of the work that they do. The people who run the company have become like family. I adore them. And that's how I met Rachel. Um, Rachel has a podcast, you guys. It's called Owning Your Sexual Self, and I highly recommend it. She runs a six-figure business as well as running a successful online sex coaching business for women looking to kickstart their desire. So bottom line, Rachel helps women discover and embrace what brings them pleasure so they can own their sexual self. Rachel Maine, welcome to Bar Fights. Thank you so much, Sarah. My gosh, that intro, I have goosebumps over here and I'm holding back tears because I, I, I didn't even realize how long it has been since we've known each other and just how we were connected. So thank you. Yes. And I have witnessed firsthand the lives of women that you and your colleagues are changing all over, not only this country, but outside this country, pure romances is, is all over the world at this point. It's a global country and it's literally changed people's lives. And when we think about the topic of sexual assault or sexual trauma, um, the first thing that comes to mind is often not sex, right? It, it's, it's sort of something that never gets talked about, at least in my experience. We talk a lot about healing. We talk a lot about therapy and, and trauma and that kind of stuff, but we don't talk about the sex part of it. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, but first, before we dive into that, tell me how someone becomes a sex therapist, because I know my listeners are going to want to know that. So start there. 
Yes. I love that question. I swear it's, it's the million dollar question. And I was even that person when I learned about sex therapy at first, I thought, Oh my God, this is a thing. I can literally make a career out of talking about sex all day. I mean, that's the best fucking life I could ever imagine. Yeah, Because let's be honest, that's all we did in college, right? <laughs> so you might as well get a degree for it. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so my work really, uh, let's see. So if I, if I go back, gosh, what is that? 12 years ago now, I, I hold a master's degree in social work. I hold a master's degree in social work from Wayne State University here in Detroit, Michigan. And through there, I was able to intern at some at places here locally. And so one of the places that I interned at was called First Step, which is a shelter here for domestic and sexual assault survivors. And in one of my roles there, I started on the crisis line. I feel like I started from the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> like I started on the crisis line. I did some counseling and then I started working as a survivor's advocate. And throughout this work, when somebody was sexually assaulted locally, and if they went to either a hospital or a police department, or if they just called into the crisis line and they were, you know, somewhere random, we would escort them, basically tell them where they needed to go to get those services. We would meet them at the hospital, police station, wherever they were, and we would help advocate them, advocate for them, um, basically to let them know what options were available. You know, everybody in a sexual assault case, as you know, Sarah, everybody has their own agenda. The nurses are trying to get a SANE exam done. The police officers are trying to get a police report in, right? Everybody is there just almost following this, this structured outline of, I need to get this and then this, and then this, right. And then, and then they send them off. And really for the survivors, like what, what options are available to them? Do, do they know that they don't need to file a police report? If that's not something that they want to do right away, do they know that they even have an option to get that same exam if they if they don't want that or that they have time to make that decision you know and so really working with them and then letting them know what services were available available to them after the fact so counseling therapy a shelter if it was needed you know depending on who the assailant was um but that was really my early on work in i refer to it as a sex world and as you know that that's a super negative atmosphere to work in that becomes really really draining um on on somebody and gosh back then i was in my early 20s and so it was just case after case after case um and one of the things that was really cool. I realized in this work that I knew I wanted to work something in, in the field of, of sexual health. I knew I wanted to work in a field where it was helping people, providing them with resources, um, and, and so on and so forth. So from there, I uh, got my foot into the medical field. Um, and so working in sort of research settings, nothing to do with sex at all. Um, and back right to the sex girl, come on, how many times can we say that word in this show? <laughs> the sex world. It's, I know it just sticks with you, but, um, you know, and I, I just felt so out of alignment throughout that time of my life. I was doing work, you know, that was good paying job at the time I was doing what society told me I was supposed to be doing. Right. But I knew there was something missing. And so that that's when, you know, Pure Romance kind of seeped its way into my life. I decided to join Pure Romance. Uh, and when I started doing parties for women, these same sort of conversations were coming up, questions about trauma, questions specifically about sex after trauma and how, what that can look like for them. How are they able to identify their triggers? Um, other things like sexual dysfunctions, pain with sex, low desire, low intimacy, um, you know, all these things. And so that's when I really started to do my research. And I attended these trainings that Pure Romance offered to us. And one of the women that was speaking there was Madeline Cassianos, 
who is a sex therapist. And that's when I thought sitting there, holy shit, like this is a, this is a thing. Is there a school local to me that I can, that I can look into? How, how can I become this person that I see speaking right now? Um, and so I did that. I went back, I, I found a program that happened to be local to me here, which is university of Michigan. Uh, they offer a certificate program for people wanting to do sex therapy, sex counseling, or sexuality education. Uh, so I did the dual certificate program with that sex education, sex therapy, worked in private practice sex therapy for three years. And now I own my own sex coaching business. So I'm able to bring all of the therapy tools that I learned um, in specifics to sex therapy. And those still show through in my coaching practice. Yet in my coaching practice, I can be 1000% me. I, I don't have to be this clinical type buttoned up person watching when I say I don't have to be recording notes throughout my whole session when speaking with somebody I can do maybe a little bit more off the grid type work with people and uh, it's just it's fascinating it brings it brings me so much joy and I, I truly truly love that I I mean I get to do this work I get to talk about sex all day every day <laughs> it is two o'clock on a Tuesday and we are talking about <laughs> sex so that is so awesome right Rachel, I love that. And I know your passion for this topic and your passion, especially for helping women become comfortable in their bodies. So here's the deal. We know that sexual assault is occurring in this country every 73 seconds. Mm -hmm. And we know that it's happening to one in four women and one in five or one in six men. And we think those statistics are you know, probably much greater than that, given how few people um, report and the stigma that's been around reporting. So because sexual assault involves unwanted or inappropriate touch or exposure, usually from trusted people, and we talk about that a lot on this show, it impacts intimate relationships in the survivor's life for years and years to come. We don't talk about it, but it does. What do you see in your work as some of the common responses to sexual trauma that affect intimacy? Yeah, that's a great question. And I want to say too, Sarah, that some people, they don't even realize that the effects that are showing in their sex life are stemmed from the Mm -hmm. trauma experienced. Um, and so that is one of my favorite things is that when you're working with somebody in this field is really gathering that background history and asking specific questions around their trauma. And when you can, you know, I was, I was working with somebody recently and she, one of her reasons why she started working with me is because she couldn't orgasm when her partner was on top. She could only orgasm if she was on top. Um, and in doing some more discovery work with her, she disclosed sexual trauma during her teens and the assailant, what, when, when she was raped, he sat on her chest and to the point where she couldn't breathe. And she felt, you know, she, she felt like she was gasping for air. And, and so she would have that same trauma response when having sex with her husband what in positions where he was on top even though he wasn't sitting on her chest you know our our body keeps the score right our body keeps the score of that trauma so immediately her body was going into that defense mechanism and so i think that you know that case is so is so genuine to even think about because for someone that's listening that is a survivor of trauma as hard as it is to really replay the events of what occurred 
and, you know, almost trying to pin those pieces together of what might be happening now in your current sex life that might be triggering you. Yeah. You know, when, when you can have open conversations with your partner and be able to establish those things as boundaries, that, that is really where that work begins for you to, you know, kind of have this, this hot, spicy sex life that you want something that doesn't have to have, you know, so many rigid details to it. Yes. I love that communication. Super key. Um, some of the other common responses that you've mentioned to me over the years, having flashbacks to the Mm -hmm. sexual trauma during sex with your partner, um, discomfort. You mentioned that physical discomfort in certain parts of your body. Mm -hmm. Um, we see on two ends of the scale, either low arousal and sort of turning away from sex, or we see trauma survivors often becoming very hypersexual, um, difficulties reaching orgasm, the dissociation piece that you can imagine, you know, a child or an adult who experiences sexual trauma, um, is, has gotten pretty good at dissociating from their body amidst a violent act. And so, carrying that dissociation into your adult sex life can be very common. Um, and then sort of that need to be in control and control the environment for a survivor. Um, I've seen that need for control play out in a lot of different areas of my life, but I can imagine for survivors in, in the bedroom, um, that need for control or that fear when they feel like they might be losing control to their partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously trust, right? I mean, talk to me a little bit about how trust plays such an important part in, in healing a sex life. If you've been sexually assaulted. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say for a lot of survivors that I've worked with, um, when they're engaging in sexual activity, the trust is the most important thing. So they are, what I've seen again, is they're less likely to engage if if they're not, if they're not falling into that hyperarousal stage, they're less likely to engage in things like one night stands or, you know, having sex with, with random people that that trust piece is really important. So they feel like there needs to be some sort of established relationship with this person. Um, if not, then again, a conversation beforehand and and not to say that the conversation that that person needs to disclose their trauma right there in the beginning, but again, establishing the things that are boundaries for them. And also important to establish the things that are pleasurable for them. Um, I think when, when women can take the time to work with themselves, do their own sexploration and be able to do some body mapping and know, you know, where in terms of touch, in terms of sight, where, where's a green spot, where's a red spot. Um, and if you are engaging in sexual activity with somebody and you just share with them all of your green spots great. Right. (laughs) You know, it's like you're handing over the manual to your, to your sexual pleasure. And, um, I think that that is such an important piece for women to, or or survivors, um, to have that voice in the bedroom and be able to take ownership of their pleasure and and take ownership of their body again. I love that sexploration. That is amazing. (laughs) And I think too, you know, women in general, or just sexual beings in general, um, don't often get asked the question, you know, where do you like to be touched? We don't think about that. Whoever asks us that, um, it's such a great question, but just as importantly, as you said, what are those red spots, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and being able to communicate that. Now I've gotten asked the question a couple of times in huge, large 
audience venues um, about questions <laughs> like this. And I kind of, you know, giggle and I say, well, generally speaking, you know, this, this and this. Um, but people will ask, you know, all sorts of things about how can you feel safe? When do you disclose to a partner that, you know, you were a survivor of sexual trauma. And, and I always say, I do not have that answer for you. That is not my expertise. I have no idea. So I'm going to ask you to answer that, you know, is there even an answer when in a relationship, is that a conversation that people even have? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say you saying, I don't have that answer for you that I I feel I would have that same answer because that is not a one size fits all type thing. Um, Each survivor is going to have their own sort of comfort level. And so I would say, you know, trust your gut. If you're feeling like you want to take things to the next level with somebody and you feel like you have established that trust or that safety with them, um, I would say having that conversation before entering the bedroom, either over dinner and a car ride somewhere, you know, in, in that sort of setting. Um, and so that you're having that conversation, like I said, out, outside of the intimacy role, uh, I feel that when people do choose to disclose that definitely works better for them. They don't, yeah, they, they don't feel like they're shying away from anything. They don't feel as pressured. Um, or if I say this, maybe they're not going to want to have sex now, you know, sort of thing. So, again, I would say it's, it's going to really be different for every, every person. Yeah. I love that. And I love the idea of doing it before you find yourself in that intimate situation where you feel either pressured to keep going or, you know, uncomfortable to speak up, um, saying, Hey, honey, you know, can we talk about something really important to me? Um, I think is great. And that goes back to that communication piece, but it's hard. It's really fucking hard and sometimes really awkward to broach that topic and bring that topic up. Um, but as you said, you know, we want to change the conversation so that women and people, all survivors feel empowered to have that conversation and, and to feel empowered to talk about, you know, and, and choose what happens to their body in, Mm -hmm. in the relationship. Um, so let's say, I'm going to get a million questions about this conversation, by the way, we got to have you back for part two, um, because even I'm thinking of a million questions right now, let's say somebody, you know, who's experienced trauma and, and has sort of shut down sexually, hears this and says, I'm ready to dip my toe back in the pond of, of sort of reclaiming my body and reclaiming my sexuality. What does that look like? How do they even start? Yeah. Uh, such a good question. Um, I'm, I would definitely say starting with yourself first, um, taking back that power within yourself. So throughout your own self-pleasure, your own, again, exploration, um, the body mapping thing that I mentioned is something that a lot of people can do on their own and, and will likely start by doing alone. But essentially that is just taking one hand tracing along your body and you, you, there are maps that you can find online. Um, literally just a diagram of a person where you can go and shade in and color in in, um, what areas are red and what areas are green. So if you can start with that, that's going to kind of be your first step of really understanding your body. 
And then when you're ready, starting with more, with more sexual touch. So I would say the body mapping is really a more non-genital, non-sexual type of touching. Um, however, if you do become aroused during that, that that's totally normal too. Um, and then when you can get into that sexual touching. So I always tell people, no matter if you're a trauma survivor or not, starting with your, your hand to vulva stimulation or hand to breast stimulation, instead of jumping right for a vibrator, when you can make that connection, you know, with your there's just something on a deeper spiritual level that happens for people, uh, especially I would say for trauma survivors, because they, again, are feeling that sense of control. Um, they are able to stop it if they need to, or, or really again, feels, feel what feels right for them. And so taking that time to, again, know, knowing your own body, knowing your own triggers, because those triggers might happen also when you're engaging in, in your own self-pleasure. Um, and I would say when, when somebody feels that they can, um, they can feel comfortable enough to touch their body in the areas that they want to be touched, that makes it all the more easy for them to have the conversation with future partners on where it is that they want to be touched, how they want to be touched. Um, I would, and I want to give a tool as well for people to use. It's called the three minute game. And it's a, it's one of my most favorite things to use with, with couples specifically, but it's very easy to remember. It's, it's just two questions that you and your partner would both ask each other. First question is how do you want to touch me? Second question is how do you want me to touch you? And you both ask each other that question. You take three minutes. You can set a timer if you need to, but you take three minutes, whatever that response is from that person, you can do some negotiating if you need to. So my answer, if I'm asked that, I might say, well, um, how, how would I like to be touched right now by you? I would like for you to, um, I would like to lay on my stomach and I would like for you to give me a back massage, right? And so you have the power to, again, ask for the things that you want. And you're also having the power to say how it is that you want to be touched. So that three minute game can be used in a sexual setting or not a sexual setting, you know, and I think it just really gives both people the, the power to ask for what they want to deliver what they want. Um, and again, it gives that, that talking space back and forth to, to say, you know, so if my, if I were to ask, um, you know, I would like to, let's see, I'll get a little bit more sexual. I would like to give you a hand job, let's say. And my partner, maybe he's a sexual assault survivor. And he says, well, um, I don't think I want a hand job right now, but I would like for you to caress around my thighs instead. How does that feel? And then I, as the per other person would say, yeah, that feels great. I can, I can fulfill that for you. Um, and so, you know, I think again, helping the trauma survivors get their voice back. Yes. Um, so much with, with the power and, and the, the comfort and the safety in the bedroom. I love that. And we talk so much about how the survivor can get their voice back, but we don't talk about sex and the body and, and how important that part can play in getting our voices back. We are mind, body, and spirit, right? And so um, this plays right into that, that body piece. And I love it. Rachel, what is the number one question you get asked in your work as, as a sex therapist slash sex coach? What is the number one thing that people want to know? Mm -hmm. I would say the number one thing that people want to know is how they can get their desire back or how they can help their partner get their desire back. 
Um, that is, I feel like the million dollar question. So many of us struggle with uh, low sexual arousal, low libido, however you want to categorize it. Um, and trauma could very well be a piece of why that person might be experiencing low sexual desire. Um, amongst other things, right? Stress, age, medication, it's Tuesday, right? <laughs> it could be so many things. Um, and so really working with people to understand their bodies better, understanding exactly what sexual desire looks like for them, how they can get, how they can increase it, how they can help their partner increase it for them, you know, things to do, things to avoid. And, um, that, you know, just, if you're feeling like you're, you're having a lack of libido, there are ways to help increase it for sure. You guys, I have given you such a taste of Rachel Maine today. We are going to have her back again and again and again until every single question on this topic is answered. I know I'm going to get just a huge response to this show. And so I'm going to keep track of the questions and you are coming back next month on bar fights. What, um, how can people reach you? What if, what if a survivor or just anybody's listening right now and says, I need to talk to this girl. Um, (laughs) how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Instagram is probably the easiest way. So I'm on Instagram at the Rachel main, um, main is just like the state M A I N E. And if you go to the link tree in my bio, I have a link for you to set up a free consultation call. So if you are interested in Yeah, I love, I love connecting with people and there's no pressure there. If you get on this call and you're not looking to work and you just, you just need to chat, you just maybe need somebody to tell your story to, um, I I'm happy to be that person and I'm happy to provide you with the resources that I feel are going to help you best in the long run. That is amazing. You guys free sex coach consultation. (laughs) I love it. And again, another plug for one of the coolest companies around pure romance. You can find them at pureromance.com. started by one of my heroes, the incredible Patty Brisbane and run today by her son, who is one of the most charismatic, inspirational, alive, smart, wonderful people that I know, Chris Ciccinelli. And so check them out at pureromance.com. And Rachel can talk to you about all the different offerings that they have and the products and so on and so forth. So Rachel Maine, thank you. And I will see you next month. Thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate you. Bye, Rachel. Thank you for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.